Welcome to episode 18 of the Throwing Haymakers podcast. Uh, today we're going to be breaking down the Western Conference and all the mo- or not the Western Conference, excuse me, the Pacific Division and all of the moves that they've made. All I guess is, is still the Western Conference. Um, so some of the offseason moves that each team has made thus far. And as always, I'm here with Josh Erickson and Matt Sheridan. And this week we have a special guest, Davis Green, our LA Kings extraordinaire specialist here joining us. He's going to break down the Pacific Division with us today. Uh, so, uh, Davis, how are you doing? Start. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, definitely happy to have you on. So I want to start by taking a look at the Anaheim Ducks. They're a team that's very clearly headed for some painful years rebuilding this franchise. Uh, Kevin Shattenkirk, really the only sign of life there really was as far as free agency goes this offseason uh, after he went and won the Stanley Cup of the Tampa Bay Lightning, now signing with the Anaheim Ducks. So, Davis, uh, since you're new to the show, uh, why don't we start with you? What do you think about the Ducks offseason moves thus, thus far? Um, yeah, I don't think they've done a whole lot. Shattenkirk's a solid ad. I think they have some rookies coming in who will definitely help them. I, I don't rem- Did Zeger sign? I don't think he did. So, uh, they're still uh, He may have, but I don't think he makes – they're yeah. going to put him in San Diego. Yeah, but I think they've got – I don't know about offseason additions, but they're more – kind of getting better internally with a lot of their young guys like Steele and Terry stepping up and those kinds of players are definitely going to help them this year. Trevor Zagres is signed to a rookie max. Yeah, I think they just signed. I'd actually kind of like the question. I'd bet my money that maybe Zegers does make this lineup. He's that good. Like yeah, I have I, to agree with him. Like I'd actually think that he might have a shot of making it. Like he's, even if he does start out the year in San Diego, you send him down there, he's going to, He's going to have a great – I think he dominates, and then he's just going to come back up. That's what I think. Yeah. yeah, if I'm running this team, if I'm running it, he makes it out of camp. I just don't think that's the direction management's going to go in based on the language we've seen from them. I certainly think he'll get a chance at some point during this season, though. I mean, he's got it. He is that good. I mean, he is their Getzoff replacement effectively. Um, right – and you hit it on the head. You're banking on, I mean, do I think Anaheim will be as bad as they were last year? No. I think this team is slightly improved. Not by much. I'm not sure I would put them over 500, but I would probably have them as the best of the California teams right now, which isn't saying much. But, I mean, you improved offensively from the defense. Look, you acquired Christian Juice from Washington at some point last year. He didn't really play for you that much, but he's a decent two-way guy. I think he'll fit in well in a full-time role. You brought up Shattenkirk. Who knows what he's going to do on their power play. Another guy who I think makes his team and slots in on a power play is a name that virtually nobody knew six months ago. That's Cody Curran. Um, this guy is a 30-year-old rookie. Um, never played an NHL game in his life. He's spent the last two years with Rogel and the SHL with 37 and 49 points respectively in 49 and 48 games. So this guy was a defenseman who was over point per point per game in the SHL last year. Four years ago, this guy was playing in Denmark. Um, he played five years of college hockey had four points, uh, sorry, five points in 20 AHL games with, Brandon's Homer Hartford Wolfpack a while ago, years ago. Uh, so, so this this guy was a nobody, uh, but he's absolutely lit it up in the SHL and 
Anaheim signed him. They didn't even give him league million. Anaheim gave this guy a million on a one-way deal to come over here. Um, and I think he makes his team. I think he's starting opening night, probably bottom pair with, I'd say, Christian Juice. Um, so he could be an intriguing ad and just one of the more, whoa, this guy's good, names to watch. Um, I don't know what we think about their backup situation. Can Stolarz handle that? I don't know. He was good in limited time last year, but I mean, he was a solid prospect that just got absolutely screwed by injuries. Um, but he's put up decent numbers in the past two years. It'll be interesting. I think, I think he can do it because it's Gibson, but with how good Ryan Miller has been, how many wins does that cost Anaheim? I think net they've maybe gained probably two or three wins. I mean, you're right. Steel's going to be better. You, you brought back Derek Grant, who's always been good in Anaheim, decent 4C. Um, but other than that, you don't really have a top six. I mean, Silverberg, Kenrique, Raquel is a good second line, but it shouldn't be anyone's first. Um, you've got a full year of Sonny Milano, which might help a full year of Denton Heinen. I mean, all these kind of mad guys, but I, I mean, they, they look much better for the future uh you got zegris you got jamie drysdale who's going to be a stud and a guy who i haven't mentioned that i also think makes a team at some point this season he has before i'm not sure if he will out of camp but max comtois uh is also close he's looked real good at points um not consistent but he's shown the flashes which is what you hope for a guy that you picked 50th overall yeah, what now? Three years ago. Um, so uh, I think he makes it at some point. And you drafted a half decent guy late in the first round this year too, and Jacob Perot. So I mean, I, I don't think the future is necessarily bleak, but it's not. You're not in a great place right now. As far as Zagris goes, I mean, you have to think that he's probably a, a pretty solid candidate to make the NHL roster. I mean, you're talking about a guy who was drafted ninth overall. You're, I mean, when you're, when you're drafted that high, you're expected maybe not be in the NHL your very first season, but you, sh- you know, a year or two out, you shouldn't be waiting very long before you make that jump. Unless you're a guy who has, you know, super high ceiling, but low floor. I mean, usually even then those guys might not be taken so high in the first round, but we're talking about Zagers here. He did, you know, at Boston university, 36 points in 33 games last season. That's certainly nothing to scoff at 11 goals, 25 assists, a solid year for him. Uh, I would not be overly surprised to see him make the opening day roster, um, but I also would be surprised if the coaching staff decides, you know, let's just see how he does for a couple of games, then we'll make a decision from there. Right. I mean, my one thing is if he's making the NHL, I don't think he's making it as a center this year. Um, You really want to Anaheim's projected four C's right now. Only one of them can play, can switch and play the wing, and that's Grant. Is the fourth line, and neither Zegers nor Steele should be in the four C spot. Uh, so if if Zegers is going to make the team and start, it's probably on a line with Steele, probably playing his left wing on the third line, or or maybe even in the top six if you wanted to stick him with Getzloff. So I don't think he's playing as a center just yet. If he makes it, probably just to get his feet wet as wing. Uh, but I I do think long term he projects as a center and i don't think i'm out of line in saying that um yeah and i think also people forget in his draft year didn't he play little on the wing with hughes and caulfield like for a little he bit could have you see on that yeah. team i was gonna say I, I thought he's played wing at some point he's yeah. like, well if he's gonna do it 
This is what he needs to do because this is not a guy who you should be sticking in a four C role ever. Um, you know, if if you're gonna have him there, he should be playing with quality. You don't want to ruin him at the start like Arizona did with Barrett Hayton. I think if you you aren't willing to put him into like the second line on the second line right off the bat, then you you're just gonna stash him in the AHL until he's ultimately proven that he can play, and that's gonna be not a, that's gonna be a very short time in the AHL. I'd also like to point out um, one of their goalie, Lucas Dostal, over in uh, uh, yeah. Finland, or I think, or Sweden. He's absolutely lit it up, and I think even if Gibson does struggle, they have a one of the best goaltending prospects in the world outside of the NHL right now, and he's scary, scary good. Awesome. He just got named goalie of the month or player of the month, and I think he's. You could look to him being in the NHL as soon as next year. Next That's year, yeah, kid, kid's got a nine forty seven save percentage and one point five six goals against to start the season. Nine games with uh, Ilvis and. Finnish Liga. I mean, he's 20, third round a couple years ago, right? I mean, I mean, you don't go out and sign a backup at this point to anything. I'd keep Stolars. Keep Gibson and Stolars. Let Stolars walk out the remainder of his deal. Dostal comes over, and then you have Gibson Dostal next season, which is not a bad place to be at all. Do you think you need to rush Dostal, or do you think it's worth giving him a year in the AHL first and keeping Stolars for one more year or signing a goalie to a cheap one-year deal? Well, I mean, he's playing against men. Right. Which but is... generally take longer to... Yeah. I mean, for sure, you have to see what he's done by the end of the season because admittedly, nine games is a very small sample size. Right. But, I mean, we're seeing the rush here. We're seeing Cal Peterson, Carter Hart, uh, Kapakakinen looked pretty good in a small sample size next year. I mean, young goalies are... A thing now, and I, I think he could do it. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily bet on it, but I think certainly by, you know, 22, 23, he's at least your backup. Um, but look, Gib- Gibson's going to rebound. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, but you also have to beg the question, Gibson is 27, and he's making 6.4 until 26 27 so one two three four so i mean he's making that until he's 33 34 within the next seven years dostal is going to become an nhl starter goaltender i mean it's an embarrassment of riches i guess but bob murray's gonna have to start thinking here about okay what do i actually do with gibson i mean this is actually a really huge year for john gibson to get back on track and show that he is an incredibly elite goalie still. Yeah. I'd like to point out that even if the Ducks do struggle, Gibson's one of the top netminders in the world, in my opinion. My yeah. one trip out to California against the Tampa Bay Lightning when they went on their record run two seasons ago, he practically stole the game for them. It was 2-1 in overtime for the Lightning, but he was the sole reason why the Ducks even stood a chance to win that game. He made ridiculous saves, and I like Josh. I think he's going to rebound um, this year. He's, he's an elite goaltender, and, and he could challenge for the Vezina when he's healthy. Yeah, I mean, he's got to. I wouldn't be surprised to see him put up a 920 and on this team where two of your defensemen are complete power play specialists. I mean, that's not 
easy, <laughs> right? I mean, you do still have some good defensively responsible forwards with Henrik and Getzloff. Um, and I'm not ready to give up on Lindholm and Fowler just yet. I still think Anaheim has a passable defense core. Yeah, the offense is not quite there yet. I mean, I, I do expect steps forward from everybody, um, but the consistency probably won't be there until next the season after this one, unfortunately. But I, I think they're they're back soon. What I was just saying about Gibson, Gibson's definitely like a, a stellar goaltender. He's an elite goaltender in the NHL. Yeah, he had a down year. But I think the only reason that people don't give more love to Gibson is just because he plays for Anaheim. That's the biggest knock against him. If he played in right. a an East Coast big market club, he would be one of the hottest goalies in the NHL. He'd be a Vesna nominee nearly every year, at least in the conversation. He's a top-notch goaltender. He just doesn't get any – nobody cares about him because he plays for Anaheim. This is no knock against Vasilevsky, but what happens if Gibson is on that 18-19 Lightning team? Right. right? Exactly. Does Tampa win 70 games that year? <laughs> it would be incredible. Yeah, I think without he is, he's a stellar. Anaheim is the worst team in that division without Gibson. Oh, without Gibson I, by well, far. It depends on who you're replacing him with. Uh, just an average goaltender. An average goalie, I, I would say seven. I don't think they're worse wow. than San Jose. Wow. It's close. Without Gibson, well, it's close. They're definitely a lot worse. Yes, they probably lose about 10 points. But I do think Anaheim's a team that could probably – I mean, if Gibson rebounds, I think Anaheim's a team that could float in the mid-80s, like – around 500 right above 500 but not not they are not a wild card team no 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 well another team that has most certainly removed themselves from wild card contention contention is the next up on our list the arizona coyotes they lost the biggest piece they possibly could have this offseason when taylor hall left for buffalo via free agency and this team's really not in good shape. They they signed Tyler Pitlick and Johan Larson, but the, those two signings – oh, and uh, John Hayden from New Jersey. But th- those three signings really aren't going to do a whole lot to offset uh, the biggest loss you could possibly have in the loss of Taylor Hall. So, uh, Josh, you clearly have something on your mind. Uh, what do you want to say about Arizona and their moves this offseason? Arizona is just a whack team for me. I honestly just – in terms of where they sit in the stands, I have them – in Anaheim, I'd toss him up for fifth place and sixth place. Arizona is weird. They have, quite frankly, probably the best goaltending in the league still with Kemper and Ronta. Top three. But what – there is nothing else here. I mean, there just isn't. I mean, even if Ekman Larson rebounds, which I think he will a little bit, then you've got him and Chikrin which is really nice on defense. Uh, Goligoski is an interesting guy. I think he's still effective, but again, meh. Look, this team isn't going to allow many goals. They aren't. They have a solid defense core. They have Jalmerson, who is still somehow one of the best defensive players in the league. Demers, who's decent. Jordan Osterley, a bit better than decent in my eyes. This offense is a barren wasteland. I don't know where to start. 
And it's not like Hall was going to make things better. The dude was trash in Arizona. The fit was not there. We'll see what he is able to do with Eichel next season. Um, I'm on the Taylor Hall is overrated train if you can't tell. Brandon just chatted me. Really? Overpricing and Allen? Uh, yeah. Don't let recency bias fool you guys. Price was man in the regular season last year. And quite frankly, he's been man in the regular season for like three years now. Injury risk. Allen's decent. I mean, they're top 10 goaltending. Arizona's really good. Uh, in terms of goaltending, not in the rest of the team. Dallas is up there too. Uh, I mean, I, I uh, Boston's still asking a lot. But look, Kessel was terrible, and they've done nothing. And this guy's north of thirty. I mean, this isn't a guy who you know you're thinking, oh, he will rebound. No, he's old, and this could be decline. You have Connor Garland. That's nice. You have the perpetually underperforming Clayton Keller. You got to hope Barrett Hayton lives up to its spelling, but it's a lot of hope, hope, hope. Christian Dvorak is not a 1C. I thought Nick Schmaltz was something, but he really isn't. Uh, and your bottom lines, I, I mean, Christian Fisher is okay. John Hayden is nasty bad. Johan Larson does nothing but defense, which you have your defense for. I don't get that siding. You didn't need more defensive forwards. And Tyler Pitlick is cold. But there's nothing to like offensively from this team. They're worse than Anaheim, for sure, in that regard. The only reason why I think I would put them fifth above Anaheim is because of how good Arizona's decor is. I would not pick either of those teams to finish with more than 85 86 points arizona i could maybe see hitting 87 or 88 just because the goaltending but they're not touching 90 they can't score well if i'm not mistaken bill armstrong has actually publicly said that you know this this team is definitely going to need some work and i think i want to say that he's said that they're headed for a rebuild i mean he knows that this team needs some work it's no, they need it's it. no secret. Right. Here's the thing I forgot to mention. These guys are over the cap, by the way. I do believe they have the highest cap hit of any team league still months into free agency, which is just, I got, I pull up cap print and make sure this. Yep. Projected cap hit 84 mil to 70 grand. It's the highest in the league. And it's with a 22 man roster. Now that does include Hosa's. 5.275 that's sitting on well cap friendly has it on IR it'll get moved to LTIR um, so they'll be under the cap for when the season starts but still I mean this is not a team that has a ton of money and look at the guys on this team that are just not living up to their cap hits Keller at more than 7 mil uh, you've only got a year left on step on which is nice um, but Jomerson at 5 mil was a brutal contract when Chaika signed it Luckily, he's only got a year left. Oh, that's the other thing. Arizona's entire defense is pending free agents, aside from Ekman, Larson, and Chikrin. Everybody else, Goligoski, Jalmerson, Demers, Osterley, Wabushkin, all in contract years, and they're all UFAs. Yeah, I mean, I think also you're saying that Arizona needs to rebuild, which they do. I mean, they don't have a lot of pieces going there, but at the same time, that organization has been terrible for 
such a long time that like they pretty much went through a rebuild almost and kind of failed at it. And now they're here. It's like, how long can you be rebuilding for? I feel like the fan base is getting impatient along with ownership. Well, see, that's true. And I, I mostly agree with you on that. Ownership is, I would disagree just because they did just sell the team. You do have due ownership in there. Um, you know, that they understand that there are major flaws. I mean, the team was sold for a reason. Uh, the ownership, the prior ownership couldn't continue to support them. Uh, so that, that in itself, I think ownership is willing to give their new general manager and Bill Armstrong a little bit of a chance to, you know, work with this roster and make some changes. The fan base, I can totally agree with you. They are going to be impatient. They're not there. They want this team to win. They're sick of the losing. Um, but, you know, this is really their chance right now. If they need to start this rebuild now so they can get it over with as soon as possible, especially with a lot of new faces in the lineup. Right now you have a lot of guys who are who or who were high draft picks who just haven't panned out for the organization. And now is really their chance to see which of those guys are worth keeping around and Armstrong's going to have some tough decisions to make ahead of him, but thankfully his name isn't tied to any of these players because he was just hired. So uh, he, he really has the freedom to do with these players as he wishes. Right. And oh, the, worst, you also, the last thing you want ahead. is finishing in the middle of the pack. Like you don't, you don't want to finish in the right. middle. You want to either suck or be good. There's, you don't want to be in between. Yeah. And you also have to comment on the fact that they've done absolutely terrible drafting. The whole scandal with the prospect thing, they lost their first neck this year and then they're, I, I don't remember, but they lost the first and a second. And then you go out and draft Mitchell Miller and that whole fiasco with him getting denounced. It's this whole, this team's probably the laughing stock of the league right now. And it's even with their depth, you, like Josh said, their, their offense is questionable at best. Their defense is decent. They have really good goaltending, but then you look at their depth and their prospects. Matthias Maselli has been really, really good in Finland so far, but who else do you have? Jan Yenik. Ryan McGregor, former Leafs draft pick, who wasn't signed. Depth players like Blake Spears, Michael Bunting, Hunter Hudson, Fashing. There's like there's, it's it's not it's not good. You got Victor Soderstrom, who's a decent prospect as well. Kyle Capobianco could probably play some He's, minutes. He could be something. <clears throat> it's 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 kind of embarrassing at this point, just because you've had the chance to to draft some good guys. I'm not entirely sure about this. I want, I want to kind of defend Bill Armstrong's name here for just a second because, you know, I'm sure he's taking a lot of heat. I'm fairly certain the Coyotes hired an outside organization to handle the draft because Bill Armstrong had, you know, he's brand new to the organization, draft is in like a couple of weeks kind of thing. You know, they don't have enough time to get their staff together and prepare. I do think an outside – I'm not 100% certain on that. I have to go back and double check, but I'm fairly certain they Correct. had an outside organization. No, Armstrong legally could not participate in the draft. That was part of the stipulation of the Blues letting him walk was that he could not participate in the Coyotes draft. So the Blues did not let him participate in the Coyotes draft. That's a good thing. Yeah, so and there we go. So the Coyotes really can't take – I mean, it is somewhat at fault because they hired the, the organization, whoever it was, that decided to draft Miller. But at the same time, you know, the organization – Armstrong and the new ownership has been put in an extremely tough position having to clean up the mess left behind by uh, Cheka and the previous ownership. Yeah, I agree. Their depth is barren. It's it's embarrassing. Yeah, they don't have a lot of a lot of depth, and their their future is not really that bright either. So this team's kind of stuck in the middle, like a worse Minnesota in my opinion. A worse Minnesota, Minnesota, yeah. Good depth and solid prospects coming up. All right. So with that said, uh, I think it's safe to say we're done with the Arizona Coyotes for today. 
and we have the Calgary Flames next to break down. They've made quite a few moves, and two of the biggest ones signing goaltender Jacob Markstrom and defenseman Christopher Tana, both of them coming over from the Vancouver Canucks fellow division rival. Um, they did make have a couple of sizable losses, including TJ Brody going to the Toronto Maple Leafs and uh, Cam Talbot. He was a big part of their goaltending tandem last season. So, uh, Matt, what do you think? Do you think the Flames are going to be able to bounce back, or do you think they're headed for a rebuild like many people think uh, are afraid that they are? Yeah. Uh, I don't know how to feel about this team. They still have good talent, but they can never seem to get far. Like, Sean Monaghan's not a 1C. He's a good 2C on a solid team. He's never, like, with the acquisition of Lindholm and Hannafin a few years ago, you'd think that this team that might have put them over the top, but... I'd say this is Matthew Kachuk's team now. You got you got to move on from Goudreau, Monahan, and you, you keep Lindholm, but you got to move on from one of them. Um, I think I think it would be best to head into a rebuild. They don't really have I don't really like their offense. Milan Lucic is way overpaid. Mikhail Backlund's a decent um, center. Derek Ryan's a good defensive center, but nothing more than a three or four C. Sam Bennett is a huge bust for where he was drafted. He still has he's still decent, but not. Um, fourth overall uh, quality pick. Um, Mangiapane, I think he's decent. Um, he fits well into their top six. Josh Levo, this is Vancouver Canucks moving over to Calgary, but he's decent. I really yeah. liked him on the Leafs. Um, Dylan Dubé, uh, he has potential. He hasn't proven himself yet. Joachim Nordstrom, I've never really liked him. Um, Dominic Simone, I think it's a decent signing from Pittsburgh, but again, nothing more than a three or fourth line uh, player. Mark Giordano's, um, he fell off. After uh, last uh, two years ago winning the Norris, um, he's decent, but I think um, without TJ Brody, he's going to be a lot worse. Noah Hannafin, again, someone who I don't really think has lived up to the hype and who's, I, I would trade him. Uh, Rasmus Anderson is decent. Chris Tanev, when he's healthy, he's a really good defensive defenseman. Yuso Valamaki has been absolutely outstanding um, on loan. I think he comes in and um, Steve's is a top four full-time role. Nikita Nestrov, it's interesting. 27 years old, went back to the KHL for a few seasons because he wasn't signed. Um, I think he'd, he'd be decent as a, a bottom pairing. And then Oliver Shillington is an RFA. Interesting to see if they re-sign him. But yeah, they definitely got, they improved their goaltending in my opinion. Jacob Markstrom has been an underrated uh, goalie um, throughout his tenure in the league. And I think They've really solidified their goaltending. David Riddick, I've never liked. Big save Dave is not a good nickname for him. But, yeah, I think they improved. But I don't think they're going to get anywhere. I think they need to kind of break it down and hopefully build from the – build up again and make a run in a few years' time. Yeah, I – one of them or Vancouver is making the playoffs as the third team in the Pacific in my eyes. And it is super hard for me to pick. Um, well, I'm not. I'm just going to tell you what I think. Goaltending is good. Mark Sherman Riddick is at least in the top 10. They have really solid goaltending. The defense, their defense is going to be really good next season. I'm concerned about this year because you'll bring up Giordano. You don't know how much more he's going to fall off. You better hope it's not much more, but he's what, 38? Hannafin is okay. I mean, he's not a great 
second pairing D, but he can be a second pairing D. Totally agree on Valamaki. He's going to be great next year or, or this season, hopefully. Um, and if not great, at least come over and make an impact. Shillington is good. Anderson is good. I don't know what you do with Chris Tanev because he has such an injury risk. He's old. And I just, do you play? I don't think you can. It depends on if Rasmus Anderson is ready to be with Giordano on that top pairing. Because I don't, I don't think Tanev can handle the first pairing role anymore. Not with another ancient relic in Giordano. But yeah, the offense is um, interesting. You were going to trade Gaudreau and Monaghan, and then you didn't. Uh, I, I mentioned the other day in an article, uh, a Sportsnet Q&A with Coach Jeff Ward, that they're thinking of moving Monaghan out of that 1C spot and trying Elias Lindholm there in his natural position. I'd like to see that, anything to get these guys going, but then do, do, do you put Sam Bennett on the wing somewhere and move back? Because if you have Lindholm as your 1C, who knows? I don't think he's better than much better than Monaghan. Like as a 1C, I don't – Monaghan was an overachiever a couple years ago. Andrew Mangiapati is a nice piece. I agree with you. Matt Kachuk is the best forward on this team. Dubé's got potential. Simone's got potential. Levo's got potential. Nordstrom is trash. Lucic is trash. That's your bottom six. Oh, Derek Ryan's okay. Um, nothing excites me about this team. Nothing excites me. Yeah, I think um, your team is just a big if. Like, yeah. if Bro rebounds, if Monahan can be what he used to be, if Giordano still has stuff left. Like, there's nothing really certain that's making you optimistic about that roster. Yeah. And it's been that way for years. Right. I mean, I love Matt Kachuk, but he is becoming Johnny Gaudreau four years ago. Not that I think Kachuk is going to fall off like Gaudreau has a little, but... There's just no one really there to help him out. It's kind of like what we were saying about the, the Coyotes. They're they're stuck in neutral, but they're a little bit, but they're better than the Coyotes. Like this is a good team, a team that is on the cusp of being a playoff team, but they're just kind of stuck in neutral. They're not a team that's going to go anywhere. They're not going to surprise anyone. Or anything they they're everyone knows what to expect. There's nothing special about them, as we've said a couple times, and they need to really either fully commit to bringing in high-level talent via free agency to make this team better, or they just need to commit to tearing everything down and restarting because that's really where they're at at this point. There is no in-between anymore. The rebuilding, any rebuilding they may have done is said and gone. You know, that, that, that phase is over. It's either now is the time where you either take this team and you salvage what you can and trade off all valuable assets or you really commit and bring in the big name free agents to try and win a cup. It's a question of depth as well. Same thing with Arizona. I'm not going to go briefly into their prospects, uh, deep into their prospects, but they don't really have anyone that's a star. They didn't draft until uh, their first pick was 96th in the fourth round. So they didn't really get any star studded player in a deep, deep draft. And then you look at their forwards, Matthias, Emilio Pedersen's not ready. Jacob Pelletier might be ready in a few years. Adam Ruzicka's decent. Martin Pospisil could be something. Dmitry Zabgorodny's been good in Russia. And then depth Yeah, but none of these break. guys are take over yeah. the team. I mean, exactly, that's what I'm saying. They did grab Zary. Yeah. 
in the first round. Oh my god. What am I saying? Why did I literally looked up Flames 2020 draft picks and it says picks 96, Daniel Chechelichev. <laughs> um, it is Zario yeah. 1C? I don't think so. I think he's a solid. Thank, right. Thank you for you have again. those guys. I'm I need coffee or something because even the when I look it up to try and get it right, it doesn't show up. I should have known that. I'm apparently the prospect guy, but not tonight. But yeah, Zary as well. I think like like you said, I don't think he's that one C he's not someone who's gonna come in and make a, a huge impact in a few years. I think he's he'd be a decent second line center. But yeah, like I mentioned before, Byron Frace, Buddy Robinson, Zach Ronaldo, Glenn Godden, they're not they're not like even their depth wards, they're not guys that are gonna come up and make a huge impact. And then their defensive depth, Carl Johan Lerby, Alexander Yelishin, Connor Mackey, Johans Kinval, like these guys aren't gonna make Alex Petrovic could make a, a decent impact, although he's 28. And then yeah. the only thing I'd be excited for if I was a Flames fan is how you managed to get Dustin Wolf in the seventh round. Everett Silvertips this year, he was absolutely outstanding. I think he has great potential. Um, it made me laugh. I, I have a friend who knows absolutely nothing about hockey. And somehow, I, I forget, she got roped into going to a Silvertips game last season. And she texted me. She was like, "Who's the silver tips goalie? He's my favorite player. He was so fun to watch, and he was really good." Yeah, that's Justin Wolf for you. Uh, um, yeah, their goaltending future is really solid, and you know, goaltending is no longer an area of concern of this team. You have your starter in Markstrom, and you have your future starter in Wolf. So let's cater to Josh's wishes tonight. We're going to move on to the other side of the Battle of Alberta. Um, so they've added Tyson Berry from the Toronto Maple Leafs, leaving them to be a free agency. And they've also added Kyle Turris from Nashville, a uh, center or left wing, depending on uh, the coach's decision there. And so uh, we'll have to see what happens with Edmonton's lineup, but they've definitely added uh, a solid puck moving defenseman who figures to be a big part of their power play this upcoming season. So Davis, I want to start with you on this one. What do you think of Edmonton's moves this offseason? Do you think it finally puts them over the hump and turns them into a cup contending team? I think, yeah, I, th- I really like the Edmonton roster. I think their biggest issue has always been depth. I think they was always really top-heavy with McDavid and Dreisaitl, and there was nothing else going on. But I think Turris is a really good add. I really like Barry. I think a lot of their young D-men, too, are going to be good if Broberg makes the team or Bouchard, and I like Ethan Bear and Caleb Jones. I mean, they have Clefbaum is out for, I don't know how long he's out till. I think it's indefinitely right now. We don't know the timeable because he just had a surgery, but I really like the decor down there. I think it's young, it's got potential and it's going to add a lot of offense that they need. And I just, I like the overall depth because I don't think star power was ever in question with that team. Like I think everyone knew they had the star power, but it was always, where's the secondary scoring coming from? And now with guys like Tyler Ennis and Kyle Turris and Alex Chase on, I really like the depth. And Dominic Cahoon to add on to that list. Oh, yeah. I genuinely think this is the most depth that the Oilers have had in years. And like you mentioned, Davis, they've always been, they've always had two of the best players in the league in McDavid and Dreisaitl. But now that they have decent line mates to play with, you look at, Cahoon and Drysaddle. I heard, I read it on Twitter the other day that they had a combined like 600 points together. 
in uh, Germany, right? In Germany, one season, I think it was the under 17. In like 30 so, games, right? <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, they have really, really solid depth. Uh, Nugent Hopkins um, reasserted himself as a really solid player in the league. Um, if you can get James Neal back to 30 goals, I doubt that's happening. But you've got really, really solid depth. I really, like you mentioned again, they've got a young D. I think Tyson Berry um, didn't really fit well in Toronto. Kind of the way he plays is it wasn't really exploited, especially with Babcock, under Babcock's regime. And then he kind of elevated himself a bit in his game when Keith took over. But I don't think he was a good fit overall. I really like Caleb Jones. Ethan Barry solidified himself as a top four defenseman. Adam Larson has been decent. You're always gonna he's always gonna be associated with the one for one. But um, my question that Chris Russell um, had four million dollars this season, but one point two five next season is good. I thought he would have been bought out, but that's just my opinion. Miko Koskinen and Mike Smith, they struggled last season, but they're a decent tandem when they're good. And uh, I think Philip Broberger, Evan Bouchard could be decent defensemen who might get some NHL time this season for sure. Oh, and Theodore Lundstrom. He's he's decent as well, 26. 26 I'm years excited old. to see what Yamamoto does, especially probably because he'll be in the oh, yeah. first in the Pacific. That's my hot take. I think these guys are better than Vegas. Um, the Vegas we have David Dreisaitl tourists down the middle. Yamamoto, who was point per game last year with Dreisaitl, but only played in 27 games. Now, that may be unrealistic to expect this guy to get 80 points, but 65, 70 playing with Dreisaitl. Cahoon who could probably get 50 playing with Dreisaitl, you could get something like 250 points out of that line. And Dreisaitl, Yamamoto, and Kuhu. You have Nugent Hopkins, who's going to benefit from playing with McDavid. And, oh, you brought back Puglia Yarvi, who is going to play with McDavid. He's going to play with McDavid. There's no way around that. So that's 40 points and 60 you're getting something like 550 points worth of scoring out of your top two lines. It's absolutely incredible. And you have Ennis and Turris who are good depth pieces. Zach Cassian, good depth piece. Alex Chason, uh, the European twins they brought over last season are still around. Joachim Nygaard and Gaetan Haas. Um, and guys, they still have people coming. Lavoie, Raphael Lavoie. Um. Oh damn! Who else? Maxine Berzjokin, who they picked a couple years ago, could be a dark horse. Tyler Benson, and they picked Dylan Holloway this year. It's incredible. And the defense, even without Clefbaum, even without Clefbaum, Baron Jones are great young defensemen. Darnell Nurse is going to see elevated power play time, and that will help. Caleb Jones is great in transition. And you have Bouchard and Broberg. And the goalies, I mean, they're not great long-term, but, I mean, you still have some guys like Stuart Skinner who could end up being an NHL goalie. You know, not now, but, yeah, I mean, you have Koskinen and Smith, which is – Smith's a wild card, but I think Koskinen's a solid goalie. Um Now, the defense, I think, is underrated. I don't think their defense is better than Vegas's. Where they blow Vegas out of the water is offense. 
and I'll talk about that more later when we were talking about Vegas. But Edmonton, I think, is an 100-point team next year, at least. Um, quite frankly, I think they could finish as high as second in the entire conference. Um, I, this offense is as good, if not better, than Tampa's. Not better. Really? I won't call it better. Nope. I'm going to take that back immediately. I'm not going to call it better. But I think you can start to put them in the same conversation. I don't think I'm going to agree with you on that one, but I think they're going to – I think they're really, really solid. I think they could be a 100-point team. McDavid is going to be better. He's still young. He's 23. McDavid could add 130 points next season. Like this guy is just that good. He knows the cheat He's codes. the greatest player in the world. And now you're not going to put him with James Neal and Zach Cassian. You're going to put him with Nugent Hopkins and Puyarvi. You're putting McDavid with guys that can play. You've su- you've seen what McDavid was able to do to Zach Cassian. Zach Cassian set a career high in points last year think about what he's going to do with Nuge. Think about how good Nuge was with Dreisaitl at even strike last year. Nuge is going to get even better. Puglia Yarvi is finally going to be worthy of being the top five pick. But you're, yeah, again, but the Liga is nowhere close to the NHL competition. Like the Liga, he's, he's walked all over them. And that's Great, but as a fourth overall pick who's already played NHL minutes, and I think he has the chance to rebound and be a solid player. But I just, if you're comparing it to Tampa, and I am a bit biased because Tampa is my second favorite team, but Kucherov, Point, Stamkos, and their depth in the playoffs, I, I do think that Edmonton's offense is very, very solid, and they did make some very solid acquisitions and signing players like Kudrovi. But I don't think they're comparable to. Tampa Bay Lightning stuff. Okay, yeah, I, I, I was a little too enthusiastic there, but my point still stands. Like, if you're tell, if you're asking me who's going to get more points next year with Yamamoto or um, Yamamoto or Puljujarvi, I mean, I'll pick Yamamoto, but I mean, you've got kids with the tools. He's great, five eight, but he's defied expectations at every level so far, and being this in team... presence of McDavid walking around Riley. I saw how good Yamamoto was setting that play up. If I if I can recall, I might be wrong again, but he's a very very good player, and he's I'd I'd put him with McDavid as well over Pujarvi in my opinion. But well, you, you want to ma- well my my thing is you want to maximize Pujarvi, and Yamamoto was so good with Drysaitel. Yeah, right. I I just think you got to keep chemistry going, but I mean that that semantics it it's incredible what they've been able to build um, and they've gone out and gotten the right guys to fill these roles for cheap prices. Like I actually really like what Ken Holland's done this off season. Hasn't signed a bad contract at all. Good for him. So going from the Edmonton Oilers to the West coast, talking about the Los Angeles Kings, they have not really made any big current NHL additions. Their biggest addition this off season came via the draft adding Quinton Byfield. He will be yet another first-round pick that is a center. Going back to 2017, every single first-round pick they've had has been a center. Gabe Velarde, Rasmus Kupari, 
Alex Turcott, and now Quinton Byfield. So all of them, uh, first round picks, all of them center. So that this team definitely has a lot of center depth coming through the pipeline. So Davis, you, you watch the Kings a lot and you kind of know what their strengths and weaknesses are better than anyone else here on the, on the show. So uh, do you think the Kings are going to be well-equipped to handle uh, the NHL this upcoming season? I think, I mean, this might be kind of a hot take and I'm not sure if you guys are going to agree with me on this, but I think they're in wildcard contention. That doesn't mean getting the wild card, but I'm, I think a lot would have to go right. And I mean, a lot would have to go right. But if it does, I think they're in contention to get close to a wild card spot. And I think that starts with just what they've added internally. You look at the top line is going to stay the same. It's been the same for the past three years. It's I follow Kopitar Brown. Um, they've all been great. I follow had a career year last year. He's been an awesome ad through college free agency, got him for nothing. Um, but I think it really starts at that second line, which is expected to be Adrian Kempe, Gabriel Velarde, and Martin Furk. And I think this is all centered around Velarde. He's been, he was named their top prospect last year by a lot of people before drafting Byfield. He's, he's really good. I mean, that's all I can say. He's just, he had a, he was gone for a while with that injury to his back and then he came back and didn't really miss a beat he just ran with it he came in the nhl and played almost at a point per game pace after not playing for like nine months it was crazy and then he came up to the nhl and i think he had seven points in 10 games and he was playing like 12 minutes a night i mean the guy was he was great for them and so he had a ton of chemistry with martin firk in the ahl and Martin Furk's agent flat out said he thinks he's capable of scoring 25, 30 goals, which I don't think that's going to happen. But I think Martin Furk could absolutely get to 20 playing with Velarde and Kempe. And then you look at Kempe and that's just a player. I think this is kind of make or break time for him because he was they're pretty much one of their only first round picks for such a long time. I mean, they picked Derek Forbert in what, 2010, and then they had Pearson and Kempe were their only other picks, Pearson in 2012, Kempe in 2014. And those have been their only first rounders since they took Velarde in 2017. And he hasn't really done what they kind of wanted him to do. He's becoming more of a middle six player than I guess they were hoping for a top six player. I'm not how, I'm not sure how probable that ever was, but they need him to be good this year. Cause he's been really inconsistent where he'll go on kind of stretches where he'll score a lot of points and then he's quiet. So they need him to kind of develop some consistency. And if he can do that, I think this team will be a lot better. So that's what I'm looking forward to from the offense. And then the defense, it's not that much better. They got, I mean, actually, no, it is that much better. They got Oli Mata to play with Drew Doughty. He's not the best, but it's better than playing with Joachim Ryan. I really did not like Joachim Ryan last year. I thought he was one of the worst players on the team, but I think, Mod is definitely an upgrade from Ryan. And then you get Dowdy playing with Mata. And then your second pair is probably going to again, be Mikey Anderson playing with Sean Walker. And those two guys had really good chemistry last year. And people forget the Kings when the season paused had a seven game win streak. And I think Anderson was on the team for all seven of the, like right when they called up Mikey Anderson, they started winning. He's a great, a great player. And then yeah, Kale Clegg should be on that team too. And I really like Kale Clegg. He, I watched a lot of rain games last year, their AHL team, and Clegg looked awesome every time. He, him and Velarde had great chemistry on the power play. And yeah, I just, I think he's such a great skater. I think he can really help that team offensively on the back end. And then obviously Cal Peterson and Net is an upgrade. Good. 
Um, I'd like to ask you, Davis, where do you see uh, guys like Jeff Carter and uh, Dustin Brown drawing? Do you think they're third line or do you think they're still top six? Carter, I think, will play third line right wing. And then Dustin Brown will still be on that top line with Kopitar and I fall. I don't think that's changing. Okay. Here's my piece. This team, I think this team is a wild card team next year. Not not 2021, 21-22. Like, they are a wild card team then. They're going to have so much turnover. You're going to have guys like Kaliev and Byfield be even better. I... I just have too much concern about this defense. Dowdy's good. Was good. Anderson, we'll see. Anderson should be good. Sean Walker is okay. Mata is going to be worse than Joachim Ryan. Just wait. I know. I watched Joachim Ryan. Like, the guy can actually play when he's got something there and I'm sorry, but Dowdy is taking another step back next year. That's my opinion. Um, I mean, he's old and Mata's just never been that guy. I think that has a potential to probably be Shabbat Zaitsev territory is one of the worst top pairings in the league. Um, I like the bottom, uh, bottom pairings aside from friggin' Curtis McDermott. Screw that guy. Uh, I like the top six. I'll be straight up. I really like the top six. Velarde, I think, is going to be a stud next season at 2C. Um, he'll get a guy like I, I. you mentioned, Martin Furk. He's always been a really interesting player. I think he's 28, 29 now. But I, I think if you're playing with a young guy like Velarde, Furk could hit 15 goals, I think. Um and yeah, what, what, who you throw in that second left wing spot, whether it's Kempe or Trevor Moore or Jeff Carter, Austin, like you have a bunch of options, but that's your bottom six, just a bunch of options. Trevor Moore is a weird guy. Blake Lazat, I like. Leah Sanderson, I don't, if he makes the team, which I'm not sure, but, but you know, Byfield, we'll see. Grundstrom's okay. I mean, they have both Grundstrom and Trevor Moore now. Lol. Uh, Austin Wagner's okay. I, I, I mean, just, there's a lot of hope here, but no real results yet. Um, I do think out of the, yeah, we'll have to see. I have them at seven, not falling to eight. Like, I don't think that's an option. Um, I think they could potentially jump Anaheim and get in that tier with Anaheim and Arizona, kind of around 500, um, maybe a bit above. But I, I wouldn't peg him for much more than that. And I know Cal Peterson is going to be decent. Um, but again, we've only seen him in a small sample size. And Jonathan Quick, you don't know. There's Besides a lot of ifs. Da- da- I mean, Davis was exactly right. A lot of things would have to go right. <laughs> Everything would have to go right. He left. Sad he's gone. Yeah, for well, I'm sad he's gone. You know, I think we look. I had to look. He never up. did anything. He came over, sucked, and went back. He was such a disappointment. A lot of people thought he would be a lot better than he was, and he yeah, he was he, terrible. 
He also got buried though. Like people would have liked to see him last year at two C. It was like a rotation between Blake Lazat and Jeff Carter, and like people wanted to see Perhorkin up there, but he never got there. And they buried him in the AHL for a few games, and that was not what they should have done. I, I think yeah, he, you got in an expanded role. He would have been right. good. Yeah, yeah. But and then in terms of guys, again, team, or sorry, you can go ahead. You, you talk about um their their depth on defense and if they ice who you said they're going to be rough it's going to be rough it's going to be a rough ride but their depth Tobias Gornfolk, Jordan Spence, Sean Dersey, Marcus Phillips, Kel Clegg, Jacob Mogrell you can throw them in there like they will be a wild card so so good and don't even get me started on their forwards I'm not even going to bother like Tyler don't, Madden don't talk and about a second round runs. pick for Foley for him to then go sign with Montreal steal Arthur Kaliev front row seat Hamilton Bulldogs and no not Hamilton Bulldogs hell doesn't LA have John Matt uh Tyler Madden now too yeah he just said, I said Jack Madden. Christ yeah. man they're so, gonna be so good in like two years and kill yeah, Tom. Yeah, Hamilton have, Bulldogs what am I saying the Kings have so many top prospects that could be coming up in the next year or two and like I was saying about the center depth earlier, the hardest part for them is going to be figuring out which guys are going to play on the wing because they just can't afford – like, you've got four centers. None right. of us have mentioned Jarrett Anderson Dolan yet. None of us yeah. none of us and have mentioned Aiden Dudas. I think Why? the – I was going to – Go ahead. Davis, may, Davis, maybe you can offer insight into this. Why didn't they qualify Cole Kaler? I don't know. I think they want Jacob Ingham playing – in Jacob Ingham and Mavalalta in the AHL. I'm not really sure why – I mean, I guess uh, Keeler would have been a good ECHL option. They have a lot of goalie prospects. I think they've taken a goalie in every draft since Rob Blake has come into the yeah. organization as the general manager, but I'm not really sure why. I just, I just personally think he's got higher ceiling than the guys they kept. But If you look at just, their center. That's just Homer that's, bias because he was a winner hot. You have to look at their center depth, and that's a serious question because Turcotte is not – a third line center at the NHL level. Velarde, right. you mentioned, could be a great solid. Byfield is your number one C, no question about it. But how long does Kopitar have? I think he still has a few years. Rasmus Kupari can play the wing. Leas Anderson has can play the wing as well. Samuel Fagamo is a winger, really, really solid with uh, Sweden. Akil Thomas is a center who's a uh, world juniors hero. Uh, Carl Grunstrom could be a solid guy on the wing. Matt Luff could be a solid guy on the wing. Here's my piece. The guy on the wing. And then think, Anderson Dolan. Yeah. I think you could not touch a thing with the forwards for like the next three years. Just let everybody develop. And in three years, have one of the best forward quarters in the league. Yeah. yeah. No free agent signings, no nothing. I think what people are in the organization, like a lot of Kings media have been talking about, is that there are already a couple guys. I don't know why that background There are already a couple guys they keep wanting to move to the wing already like they're saying madden is probably going to be a wing kupari is probably going to be a wing thomas is going to be a wing and then it and until kopitar is kind of gone you've got to put one of velarde or turcotte on the wing now i personally think turcotte should be on the wing a lot of people think velarde i would like to see turcotte on the wing i think it would i think velarde is just too good not to have it center um, but yeah, they're going to have to make a decision about that. They want Anderson Dolan down the middle. Leah Anderson, I think could be either, but probably. Yeah, there's him. no room for him. I didn't get that. I didn't get why he went out and got him. 
I, they had a lot of second round picks. <laughs> I think they just wanted to do something with them. I don't know, but yeah, yeah. he helps your NHL roster now. They don't Does think he? he's going to play in Sweden this year, for the whole season. Yeah, but I have no faith in that mm, kid. I'm sorry, I have no faith in him. I I feel different. Um, okay. I I don't know if he's playing the whole year in Sweden. I think he might be. I'm not. I don't know his contract. If he's signed through the whole thing, or if he has an opt out um, to come and join. But I think he did sign the contract with the Rangers, so he was probably there the full season. But I, I honest, Velarde, don't get me wrong. He's going to be an absolutely solid player. But anyone who's had serious back problems and he's that young, it always it hurts to see, and you always have to kind of worry about where it's going to go because back injury is one of the most serious problems that a young prospect can have. And I think he's going to be good. But in my opinion, I'd. I had I'd have to say that Turcott is um, best suited to play center role in the NHL, but that's just my opinion. Right, and it could go either way for sure. I mean, I'm not opposed to either one. I'd be perfectly happy with either one. I just think the way it works out. You also have to remember, it's really strange. The Kings, a lot of their forwards are most of them are right shot. You like, and except with the exception of a couple of guys, but like Kaliev should be on the right side just because of that one timer, even though he's a left shot. And then that limits you to who's that top line left wing. Is it Fagamo? He's a left shot. And then, I mean, he's a right shot. And then Byfield's a left shot, but he's a center. And then you get to the second line. Velarde's a right shot. Um, Kupari's a right shot. Turcotte's a left shot. So are you having two guys playing their off wing on a top line or a second line? Or are you going to move Turcotte to his strong side? I think that could also potentially factor in. Perfect, perfect thing in the future. Byfield's number one. Anderson, uh, you can put Turcotte or Anderson Dolan at two, other person at three. And then you decide if you want to play Thomas on the wing, Bogomo on his off wing, or they, it says he plays left wing or right wing. So that's good. Kupari plays, can play any position. I know that. So you, you, your team has an embarrassment of riches. And right. um, Rob Blake is in a great position because he gets to decide um, who fits where. And you just, you've got to hang tight. That Doughty deals looking more painful every day, $11 million till 26, 27. And he's 30 years old. I mean, if he can rebound, it might, you might make the pill a little bit easier to swallow, but there's no way that that guy should be making $11 million. And yeah, this team is going to be really, really, really good. Um, I'd argue that they have one of the best, if not the best prospect pool in the entire league and their future is extremely, extremely bright. They, I don't think they'll contend necessarily maybe a wild card this year if everything goes right like you said but starting next year if they've got their guys outperforming on their expectations the ahl and can make the jump full time then i think they're going to be really really good all right so with that said i think it's time to uh head up the coast a little bit head to the uh last california team that we have to discuss today that, that is the san jose sharks uh they've brought back a long-time shark. He'll be remembered as a career sh- shark. Patrick Matt Nieto. He's yes, Aww. Matt Nieto. Yes. No. We're, we're, they brought they brought Patrick Marlowe back, so he'll be joining the team again. They also brought in Devin Dubnik. Figure there's going to be a tandem there between Dubnik and uh, Martin Jones. Highly paid, but probably not a very good tandem, at least in my eyes. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, they also traded for Ryan Donato from the Minnesota Wild. So. Josh, what do you think about the Sharks? I know you, you've been eager for this moment. We get to talk about San Jose. So what do you think about their roster going into next season? 
Yeah, I mean, these guys have a special place in my heart. They're probably my second favorite team. Uh, boo, I hate it. I hate it. Last in the West. Um, hate it. Defense is god-awful. I don't know what you expect. Shimmick, Vlasic's going to be even worse. Carlson's, your entire top four is either mediocre or in decline. Um, you have a third pairing that could surprise, though, with Ferraro and Middleton. I think they could go places. Jones and Dubnik is AHL shit, guys. I'm sorry. I would rather have Subban and Delia at that cap hit. At Subban and Delia's 1.9, I'd combined. I'd rather have that from Chicago than Jones and Dubnik at like seven or whatever. Um, that's terrible. The, I do like the Donato ad. Um, he's probably their 3C. I'd like to see him in the top six, though, maybe playing on Couture's wing. Um, look, the top six is decent. It's You got guys like Kane, Hurdle, LeBanc, Meyer, Couture, Donato. The rest of it, I mean, Marlo's done. Nieto's okay as a fourth-line guy. Marcus Sorensen has been crap whenever he hasn't had Joe Thornton to play with, and Thornton's gone. Gambrell, and they just have a bunch of prospects, and they've put a lot of faith in, and I've seen nothing out of him. Noah Greger, uh, I don't like the guy. Gambrell, don't like the guy. Stefan Nason, decent fourth-liner. But you have like Kevin LeBanc and three fourth liners as your right wing core. You, you have decent centers. Uh, and then you have, okay, left wingers. It's just, there's nothing special. The defense is terrible and the goaltending is even worse. It's so bad. And that's really what sets them apart from LA. Cause I do think San Jose has the potential to maybe have a better offense but this is just not good. It's not good. Um, that's it. That's all I have to say. Let's move on so I can talk about teams that don't suck. They're terrible. Uh, I, I'd have to agree with Josh. Last in their division. Um, they don't really have anything going for them. I'd, I'd argue that they're only going to get worse that's even possible. I, I do like their selection of Ozzy Weisblatt in the, the first. Um, he's going to be good, but he's a few years out. Their depth is not really that good. Thomas Bordalo was a decent selection. Yeah, they had a really good draft. I'll give them that. Alexander Chmielewski could be something. So could Ivan Chekovic. But um, the, the one prospect I, I'd, I'd be the most excited for is Ryan Merkley. Um, in his draft year, if I believe it was 2019, I could be wrong, but, um, or 2018, one of those, uh, he would have gone top 20, uh, no top 15 or top 10 for sure. If it weren't for his attitude problems, but he could, he looks like he's turned a new page in his um, life. And I think he could be a really solid player. All right. So you look at what the sharks are doing with their defense. This is starting to look, this, this situation that San Jose is in right now is starting to look eerily similar to the Chicago Blackhawks. That's the kind of situation that San Jose is going to be in a yes. couple of years, but they've been less successful. They are paying Eric Carlson, 30 years old, $11.5 million. That, You're paying Brent Burns, 
$8 million a year for five more years. And you are paying Mark Edward Vlasic $7 million for six more years. We're talking about defensemen. Eric Carlson is the youngest of those three, and he's 30 years old. Eventually, you're going to end up in a situation similar to Chicago where you have assets like a Brent Seabrook who are just not movable players. You just physically cannot move them. Not to mention that all three of those guys, similar to Brent Seabrook, have some form of no movement clause or a no trade clause. So right. that, that's going to be tough. I mean, the, the Carlson one doesn't look awful right now. If he bounces back, you know, he, he, he's not a bad player. He could, he could certainly earn his $11.5 million next year. He still has plenty of time left in his career. But Burns, he's 35. He's already on the decline, and he's still got five more years of $8 million. Vlasic, he's already on the decline. He has six more years of $7 million. So, that, I mean, those contracts are going to completely destroy this team's odds of competing until you can, you know, get into the last year or two of those deals when maybe a team might consider taking them on if they're in a rebuild phase and are just looking to try and make it to the cap floor. So the next team up on our list are the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, they lost their starting goaltender to the Calgary Flames, and they've brought in Braden Holtby to hopefully fill the void. Holtby coming over from the Washington Capitals, and uh, he's definitely been uh, had a down year last year. So it, it's we have yet to see if he'll be able to bounce back and regain form. Uh, so, Matt, what do you think? Do you think the Canucks are going to be able to stay where they were last year, or do you think they lost too much this offseason? Um, I really like the Canucks, but I think, I think they, I don't know how to feel about them. I think they could take a step forward, but they could also take a step back. It depends on how everyone is actually comes out and plays. Bo Horvat really uh, has solidified himself as a top two line player on their team and the captain. Um, Brock Besser is really good. Elias, this is Elias Patterson's team. Um, absolutely adore him. Uh, and, but then other than that, Louis Erickson's a terrible contract. JT Miller's going to, if he can put up the uh, the numbers he did last season, he's going to be really, really good. Brandon Sutter, I don't, re- I don't really like him. Tanner Pearson has been decent, but again, not a guy that you're going to go for to rely, to rely on goal. Michael Furlan's career is probably done. Sven Berchi yeah, is going to be in the AHL. Um, Antoine Roussel is just a bottom six. Jay Beagle, like they have a lot of guys. Jake for Jay Beagle, they have so a lot bad. of guys. They have a lot of guys that are just bottom mad players. Um, Adam Goodet could be something, but he hasn't proven it yet. Zach McEwen was really good in the AHL, and has I'm glad to see he's finally um, playing in the NHL. Alex Edler, um, before he got injured, I, I, no one expected the season that he was having. Tyler Myers is an overpayment at $6 million. Um, Nate Schmidt was a good acquisition. Uh, I really like him. Jordy Ben is terrible. Um, but where I really like the two young players that I really, really, um, I think could um, save this team is Quinn Hughes and Jack Rathbone. Quinn Hughes has already established himself as a star player in the league, but Jack Rathbone has been outstanding in college. And a lot of people probably don't know who he is other than Canucks fans who follow their team really closely. But I think he has the chance to be really, really good. He's such a good puck moving defenseman. He can skate the puck out of the zone. Um, he can pick up speed through the neutral zone and drive the net like no one's business. Um, I think if he does see NHL time this year, it'll be um, 
in a bottom roll pairing, but I think you'll probably see him in the AHL. Braden Holpe, I don't really understand the signing. Patrick Demko, I think, should start. He is a he's he deserves the starting role, and Braden Holpe, in my opinion, should be the backup. And yes, yeah, uh, I I think if they again going back to what I said, I think they could be good. I think they could probably challenge for a two or three in their division, but they could also take a step back and find themselves in a wild card position. They've got some solid prospects in Niels Hoglander, Cole Lind, um, William Lockwood, Petrus Palmu's decent. Um, Yoni Gadjevich could be someone to watch. And then Ollie Ulevi, it'll be interesting to see if he makes the roster. Um, I think he was eh with his limited time in the NHL um, last season. Jet Wu's solid prospect. Guillaume Bourgeois is good. Rogan Rafferty broke out in the AHL. I think he could get some time. Jalen Chadfield's good as well. And then a few years down the road, Michael DiPietro, one of the greatest OHL goalies of all time. Um, he's going to be pretty good. And then Archer Seelovs was good on the very Colts this year. But again, probably nothing more than a backup for an AHL goalie. So yeah, I think they could be decent, but it depends on how everyone plays. Vancouver bores me now. They were exciting. Now they're not, aside from Pedersen and Hughes. It's that simple. I would like to yield my time and just bring up the fact that George's The Rock wants to fight Mike Tyson. That's a thing. He's yeah, that, that's my reaction. I got nothing. <laughs> okay. They got anyway. significantly worse and they're boring again. Yeah, I think half their team decided they liked living in Calgary better than Vancouver. So yeah. I don't really they were they looked promising last year and now they're kind of yeah, like you said. They're, yeah. They could I mean they have Pedersen and Hughes and Demko. So I mean, it's not like it's terrible and Horvat and Edward. So I, I do think they're fourth, but I mean, this team had the right pieces like last year. They had, they definitely had some of the right young pieces moving forward. This looked like they're going to be the powerhouse. They were back in like, you know, the early 2010s when they made that cup run against been lost tragically against Boston in game seven. <laughs> but um, sorry, I had to bring that up for uh, any Vancouver fans who may be listening to this, uh, you know, gotta, gotta throw that out there. But Anyway, um, you know, it looked like they were on Brandon, their way back. Talk about Don't the antagonize them, they'll riot. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, um, Brandon, you lost Tory Krug to St. Louis. I thought I'd just bring that up again. Okay. So you, so the, the, the Toronto fan is, is standing up for the Vancouver fan this time. Okay, I see how it is. Got you hey, Canadian to stick together. Got to stick right, together. So, Anyway, as I was as I was trying to say, so it looked like they were finally taking a step in the right direction to becoming a, a top level contending team again, and but they weren't there yet. They were still in that first. They were kind of like the Rangers in that they were taking that first step forward out of the rebuild to start looking like a team that can make some serious noise over the next couple of years. I'm not saying that they were a playoff winner this past season. But they looked like they were on their way to becoming that. And I got to say, I thought the Tyler Toffoli edition last year was a little bit questionable simply because I didn't feel that this team was ready for, you know, bringing in assets at the trade deadline to try and make a run. I didn't feel that that, t- that the team was ready for that. Um, so I think that was a little bit of a mistake. But that said, they lost far too much this, this offseason to offset it. They, they don't have – losing Markstrom, Markstrom was huge. Having Markstrom is huge. And you said you let him walk. And now you're bringing in Braden Holtby. Now Holtby is nothing to scoff at but he had a down year and he's getting up there in age. He's in his thirties. So 
you kind of have to at least look at that and say, is he going to be able to get back to where he was a couple of years ago? You have to wonder because this is that, Patrick you know, Demko's team now. I mean, yeah, this is uh, Demko is definitely in the conversation, but I don't know if you can necessarily say outright that Demko is your starter next year. Yeah, I really don't know. He I, he played well. He's played very well, but I don't know if I necessarily trust a guy who is so young to be the outright starter when you just went out and signed a veteran guy who has been playing at an extremely high level for most of his career, has had one down year. I don't think you can outright say that it's Demko's net. I think there's going to be a battle for the starting job come the regular season. I think I legitimately think it's going to be a toss up. Either one of those guys could win the job, but right now you can, I can't say outright that it's Demko's team. Oh, I, I agree. But again, you look, they signed Holpe to make him available for the expansion draft. And then they saw, and then you look at how Demko performed in the playoffs. It's you could look at it like Washington last year. You thought Holpe Holpe was still high, and then he he sucks, and Sam Sonov comes in. Every some people were like, "Yeah, this is Sam Sonov, that for sure." Like he's the best goalie prospect that this league has ever seen. I'd argue against that, but that's besides the point. And then he performed really, really well, and now it's his net. Um, I'd I'd argue that Demko um, might not win it out of camp, but I'd be surprised if at the end of the season, then it's not his net, and Holpe is definitely solidified as the backup at this point. Yeah, Demko is definitely going to be in the NHL. It's not even a question. It's going to be Demko and Holby. It's just a matter of who's the starter. So um, we'll definitely have to wait and see what happens there, but it should be an interesting uh, battle over the net to watch as the season progresses when it eventually does get going. Uh, And so with that said, we'll go on to the final team in the Western Conference, and we'll start with you on this one, Matt. The Vegas Golden Knights signed Alex Petrangelo, the biggest player available this offseason, arguably the biggest player available this offseason, leaving the St. Louis Blues after uh, a lot of rumors going on around his contract talks, him not being happy with the way that St. Louis handled uh, his a potential re-signing of, of his uh, captaincy. So, uh, Matt, what do you think? Do you think Vegas is going to be able to continue their run of success this upcoming offseason or this upcoming season? They're, that signing of Petrangelo is um, oh, late. The cap hit is kind of painful because at the end of his contract, it'll probably sting. But a, a pairing, a top pairing of him and Shea Theodore is insane. Uh, I'd argue that Shea Theodore is becoming one of the best defensemen in the league. And you add Petrangelo, who's still a very solid defenseman. Um, they could solidify themselves as one of the top pairings in the league. And then their depth, Alec Martinez is still decent. Braden McNabb is decent. Um, Nick Holden is all right. I really, really like Zach Whitecloud. I think he could be something really special in the future. Their goalie tandem of Flurry and Leonard. Um, Flurry, I thought, was going to get traded. I didn't think he'd be back. But again, that's a really solid tandem. I know Josh mentioned earlier, and I'm not going to go too much in depth to let him have some things to talk about. But um, their forward is something that some people might be worried about because Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, William Carlson, Riley Smith, Jonathan Marshall are all, and Alex Tucker are all really good players. Ryan Reeves is um, great at his role. Chandler Stevenson was really solid. And then William Carrier, Tomas Noshek, Cody Glass, and Nick Waugh. So their depth is, in my opinion, decent. Um, they got some pretty solid players up front. William Carlson had one great season and then got paid for it, and now he's decent. But I think uh, this loss of Paul Stasny is con- going to hurt more than some people might expect. And 
Um, their depth um, down in the AHL is pretty solid. So I, I don't think, I think um, it's either going to be them or Edmonton who's going to challenge for the top spot in the Pacific Division. I, yeah, they're second at least. I am concerned about their offense, though. I mean, you have guys, Patch Reddy is not going to be that good again. And they're a lot older than people think. Um, March is so old. Carlson Smith. I, I'm just not sure if that passes as a first line anymore. We're about to see. Um, but you're going to ask a lot of Cody Glass to stop to step into the top six. And I think he'll be there eventually, but I don't think it's this year. Losing Stasny sucked. I'm not sure. You gave up Stasny and Schmidt for Leonard and Petrangelo. Jury's out. Um, good third line with Tuck Stevenson. Like bottom six is fine, and it always has been. There's just no longer the punch there at the top. Goalies are good, defense is good, but I just think Edmonton is so balls to the wall incredible offensively that I don't. Vegas could hit 100 points. I think they're going to float around 100. I could see them finishing anywhere between second if they win the division and fifth in the conference. Um, they're going to be in a battle with a lot of central teams. We'll see how they do under a full season of DeBoer. I just don't know. I was really disappointed by how they went out in the playoffs. Um, and if they don't even have Stasny next year, this could be a rough year for them offensively. Yeah, I worry about the center depth a lot. I never – Carlson was never sustain, sustainable in his first year, and then yeah. he's kind of declined ever since, as expected. And I don't think they have a legitimate first or second-line center, so I think that's going to be a big issue. In Vegas, I think they're still a top team. That defense and their goaltending is too good to not be a top team in the Pacific Division in my eyes. I, I don't think there's any team that can really challenge them for the number one spot. I think that's theirs to lose this year. And the center, like you've all said, the center depth is somewhat concerning. I do have concerns about that. But overall, this defense is just far too incredible to really, you know, scoff at. I mean, you had Zach Whitecloud this year, this past year, playing on your third pairing and going back and forth between the AHL and the NHL. He's a guy who could be a top four defenseman on most teams. So they, they have the set, the defensive depth and the defensive talent to be a top team. You know, you still have Mark Stone. He's an excellent two-way forward who can put up points and play in the defensive zone. So this is a team that can play the Islander style where they'll shut you down, but they do have some of the wing talent to put up some points. So it's, it's not – the offense isn't overly outstanding, but the defense is good is more than good enough, and, you know, it should help generate some offensive chances if they can get good breakouts out of the zone. So we'll definitely have to see what happens this upcoming season, but uh, I still like Vegas as my – Winners of the Pacific Division. All right, so uh, that'll that'll be a wrap on episode 18 of Throwing Haymakers, and uh, we'll be back next week. All right, next week we're going to get into the playoffs a little bit. We're going to give our playoff predictions, see who we think is going to make a deep run and win the Stanley Cup next year just based off of what we've seen so far from this year's offseason moves. Obviously, we still have a couple of free agents, big free agents at the moment, like Mike Hoffman, who have not signed yet. So – Keep in mind, our predictions are somewhat flexible here, but uh, we're going to do our best to, to make our predictions with the moves that we've seen so far. So uh, with that said, make sure you tune back in next week. All right. And uh, 
you know, we'll have we'll have our playoff predictions for you. So uh, have a good week and uh, make sure to check back next time.